Welcome, everybody, to Ask Cadence. Thank you for downloading and listening. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm sitting here around the roundtable with John Patton, CEO of Cadence. John, how are you? Pretty good, Pete. Good to see you. Uh, good to see you, too, John. Thank you. And Scott Lissett. How are you, Scott? It's been a long time. Very good, Pete. Uh, nice to be back. Likewise. it's uh, it's been uh, It's been a little while. It is November 4th. We usually don't uh, uh, talk about dates on the show, but today is a big day. It is Election Day here in the United States for the 44th President of the United States of America. And while we don't uh, prize ourselves at Cadence as being uh, partisan political experts or pundits by any stretch, uh, we do hope we have some expertise in project management to share. And that is the topic today. What can we learn from, in a, from a project management perspective from the last 20 months worth of campaign activity from the candidates? Uh, and uh, uh, so I'm hoping we can help translate uh, some of the broader project issues, how they have been implemented in the field, and, uh, and hopefully give you some tips, some guidance that you can take back to improve your own project process uh, from some of the innovation that we've been watching uh, in the media. Uh, now, it's it's uh, we've been talking here before we started recording. It's no stretch to say that uh, you know most of this conversation comes from Obama and the Obama campaign, and and really what we've been seeing is innovation in campaign activity. Uh, we just heard over the weekend that you know they were able to muster 1.8 million on the ground uh, uh, door knocks in Indiana alone uh, over two days, which represents a massive ground campaign and a massive uh, surgence of, of activity in one small part of the country, which represents a much broader effect. Uh, what does it take to run a project of this size and scale uh, and keep your hands on everything that, that you need to keep your hands on and generate that kind of support on such a broad scale, John? Well, uh, Pete, um Translating a political campaign into project management terms uh, is, is something that's easier than, than you think because it's all visible uh, to us. Uh, what's, invi- what's invisible is the organization. But uh, there may, we may end up uh, seeing a lot of analysis done on this campaign. There, there are many comments I could make, but there are two or three that come to mind immediately. And one is strategy. There are a million things going on all the time during a campaign, and strategy must be absolutely clear. If we're to respond, our response must be measured against the strategy. And if our response doesn't fit the strategy, we either reject it or say, what about the strategy is flawed? What do we need to adjust here? Now, I'm I'm talking about a reasoned response But let's recognize that these responses have to come at lightning speed uh, because of the communications we face. The second thing that comes to mind is what we call in project management a clear work breakdown structure. Now, this is division of labor. Uh, We don't want a large, monolithic, central organization to be programming things that occur on the ground. However, there must be a clear delegation with objectives that says uh, what people in different precincts or areas or states or counties are going to be doing to execute the strategy that's been defined at the top level of the campaign. And the final thought I have is is really uh, one that uh, has destroyed many campaigns, and that's roles and responsibilities. Infighting 
can kill any project. Infighting can cause a, a campaign to go down in flames. So very clear roles, very clear focal points of responsibility so that over these unclear overlaps uh, don't exist. That's just one of the, the first uh, series of thoughts, Pete. Uh, perhaps, Scott, you've got uh, some more thoughts here. Yes. Um, when I ask people uh, what are the uh, desired qualities of a project manager, the first quality that most people tell me is they should be organized. And if you think about the relationship to a political campaign, they call their campaign an organization because there are so many moving parts um, from the main uh, headquarters office uh, down to the uh, different field offices in the cities and the different states. So there's a tremendous amount of information that has to be flowing, both down from the main office uh, to all of the different offices around the country, and then information has got to flow upwards. Uh, so uh, reacting to uh, events that may be happening. Uh, to what your uh, political opponent may be doing, reacting to what's happening in the polls. So there has to be some freedom within the overall campaign structure to act on a very agile basis. Yet, there also needs to be an overall uh, project schedule. So there are certain things that the campaign needs to do at certain times uh, throughout the campaign's season. And in fact, um, there, is, um, a, there is a very definite and specific end date to the campaign project, if you will. So um, we were talking uh, about this, and uh, it's uh, very difficult for a campaign manager to ask for an extension of the campaign. Uh, you do not want to go beyond Election Day. And you will not get permission, and there is no sponsor, as there is in a project environment, who will give you authorization to go beyond the campaign end date. In, in most projects, you don't typically have uh, another project constantly out to get you and make you look bad in, in the eyes of the public. But uh, it, it brings up to me a, a more of a tactical question. What is the role of the project manager, in this case campaign manager, tactically in ensuring that the project stays on strategy? Well, there's a, there's a, a combination of contradictory terms here. One is passion and, and one is calm. So great to be passionate about the project, but also to keep the end goal in sight, the, the end clear objective in sight. Uh, very key for uh, campaigns to have what we call an escalation strategy or escalation procedure. If something goes wrong, uh, how long can it exist at a certain level of the organization before it's automatically uh, escalated higher? How long, uh, what kinds of problems uh, would be automatically escalated to the highest level if they uh, came along. These are the, the kind of things that, that a good project manager has to put in place to make sure that they're not distracted during the project. Uh, I, I think of a, uh, a manager that I knew once, I interviewed him after the project because he'd run a very large complex project ex extremely well. And, you know, the, the, these interviews, uh, one of them always has to be to what do you, um, uh, 
attribute the success of your project. And he said, I walked the boundaries of the project uh, uh, over and over again uh, throughout the project. Well, what does that mean? He said, think of the project as, as having a wall around it. And if the project is successful, there are all sorts of people who want to throw additional things into the project scope because they know they'll ride on the coattails of the project and be successful as well. He said, I would see these things coming over the wall and knew I had to protect the team. I'd pick them up and throw them outside the wall, and I kept the team focused that way by constantly comparing any conversation I had with the scope of the project. You know, that's a great point, John. And when I think about um, managing projects in uh, corporate America, for example, um, what I hear is that projects can get behind schedule. They can get out of control. uh, And the project team doesn't know it for a while. Now, a political campaign, you know it very quickly because you turn on the television or you look on the Internet and you see exactly how your campaign is doing. So uh, you have um, almost immediate feedback. And uh, you've got um, polling organizations all over the country also telling you how you're doing. And uh, so you can have a response, which is planned. This is a form of a risk response plan. Uh, so you can anticipate uh, at the beginning of the campaign certain things that could happen that could go wrong on the campaign. And then if, that, if those happened, if those triggering events happened, what would be your response to it? What would, uh, how would you react? Then what would you put into place? And uh, that can be part of the overall campaign strategy to have a very quick response strategy. Um, but also things will happen Um, on a daily or hourly basis that require more of a tactical response, something that you uh, may not uh, have been part of your uh, risk response planning. Uh, Yeah. I I think that's a a really good point. I'd like to get some insights from both of you on this. What goes into uh, the, the project planning, the strategic maintenance of the project, when you are forced to make decisions on such tight, dynamic deadlines? When you're talking about spending a lot of money and committing resources on six-hour, 12-hour, 24-hour deadlines. Is that something that uh, – there, is there a strategy behind making those decisions? Well, well one, one that I can think of right off the bat, Pete, is that you've got to have daily status meetings, maybe two or three status meetings a day, whereas on a, a typical project – maybe weekly status meetings will suffice. So that will ensure that the communication flow happens and that the information gets to the right people. uh, A couple of things come to mind, Scott, as well. Uh, A a term that uh, I think of as relentless uh, replanning and uh, an information management system uh, on, on the toughest projects where things were happening uh, constantly, uh, there was a, a, a daily uh, meeting, you know, uh, 10 to 15 minutes long. Uh, what's new today? What are we going to do uh, uh, the rest of this week? Uh, Mondays, uh, looking out uh, for a month, planning in detail uh, the next fi- uh, five days, you know, in, in the standard work week. 
and uh, planning out January of the month. Does that still look good? So this, it, it doesn't mean a lot of documentation being uh, created here, but it does mean a relentless dedication to saying what's in front of us, uh, both short-term short and in a little longer term. In some cases, the long-term is the month, and the short-term is a week or even uh, a couple of days. Uh, but it's a commitment to do this. And I, I, I've, I've interviewed people after projects where they had this, it's called a rolling forecast, a rolling detailed forecast. They always say they hated it. People always said they hated this activity of planning, but they, they, they wouldn't drop doing it. You know, they really believed in, in, in doing it. Um, now, Scott, you, you talked about the money as well. And there's got to be the right kind of control on the finances. You don't want tight control so that it shuts down really important activities. But we know that um, uh, in the project world, uh, if the project comes in on time and it's a roaring success and you recover the, the cost of the project in the first six months of, of uh, product sales, that people aren't too worried about uh, running up the cost of development. However, if the product bombs, then uh, you're, you're in deep trouble. And the same thing is true, I think, in a campaign. If you win, you're going to be able to pay those debts. If you lose, you're going to be in debt, or somebody's going to be in debt. Uh, and, and there are negative consequences uh, to that. So, th so there's got to be uh, some kind of uh, financial control. You know, we haven't even talked at all about the money-raising end. Exactly. You know, getting sponsorship right. uh, to, to the project. And I think that's a, a whole different topic. Uh, I, I have one other point I'd like to get your your insight on because I think it may uh, you know where it, where it works for the campaign it may fly in the face of a of a more traditional project. Uh, it, it's this idea of engendering support from the whole organization. Uh, what we've seen in this campaign is record turnout, record volunteerism, uh, record awareness of what is uh, you know for that campaign quote at stake. Uh, what, what is it about this that can translate to engendering support for your projects? Um, Pete, I've, I've seen this in the best of the project managers, that they uh, create on their project teams uh, a, a sense of um, commitment to the project, to its goals, uh, a sense of enthusiasm every day when they come to work, a sense that they are really making a contribution uh, that is historical or could be historical. And it doesn't matter the size of the organization, the size of the project. I've seen this over and over in the, in the best of the projects. And uh, one project that I can think of which would be analogous to what we're seeing in terms of the enthusiasm in this political campaign is the Apollo Moon Project in the 1960s. So um, the, the project manager didn't have to motivate the, the uh, young engineers working on that project. They came to work every day motivated because they wanted to be part of something bigger than themselves. They wanted to be the first to go to the moon. And uh, I think we're seeing that kind of enthusiasm here during the, this political campaign as well. And uh, if only every project manager could have the luxury of, uh, of their uh, uh, team members coming to work on their, uh, on their project every day, uh, being so self-motivated uh, to do well on their project. Well, that's an interesting uh, comment. I mean, in many respects, when you roll that up into what John just was, was talking about, it's this idea of the consistent strategic message, the consistent emotional message, uh, 
and and uh, and and then discussing really what is this world going to be like at the end of this project. What are we going to be able to contribute to our organization by successfully finishing? Am I right? Yeah, Pete. I think in in the best of the projects, uh, the person who is the team member is validated, and they can say to themselves, you know, I am really making a contribution. I'm contributing to something which is bigger than me, and uh, I think human beings look for that, and people like to be on projects that have that sense of uh, really uh, making a significant contribution. We uh, talked uh, when we when we started out about uh, I think John, you mentioned that the you know the 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 evidence is quite public. Uh, the organization is invisible. Uh, over the coming weeks, I am sure we will see more of a postmortem of how the campaigns were operated from the inside out, and, and hopefully we can shed some more light on, on how these work as projects, Scott. Yeah, and, and I think um, that what we've seen is a, a very long project, uh, which is the campaigns, uh, being executed in a rapidly changing environment. And in those kinds of environments, the project manager uh, needs to be uh, uh, very aggressive in uh, taking proactive actions. And uh, I think it would be fair to say, Pete, that the outcome of this election could be determined by which campaign had the better project management practices in place. I can think of no better way to end this episode. Thank you, Scott, John, for sitting down with us. Uh, I am Pete Wright. This has been Ask Cadence.